Hello and welcome to this episode of Hey, I Loved That Movie, the podcast where we watch the films we loved when we were younger to see if they still hold up. I'm Dan. I'm Michael. I'm Helena. And I'm Elliot. And for today's episode, we watched Small Soldiers. So... To stay in theme with this movie, which I loved as a kid, and I'd like to start with the bit that I completely forgot about as a kid, which is that the first 10 minutes must have bored the shit out of me, because it's just a load of corporate bollocks. (laughs) (laughs) What what was the first 10 minutes? It's when they're they're like, oh, we're going to market this new toy, and we're going to work out how to market this new toy, and we'll put a microchip in it. Do all, and you know it was important for the story. But I did think they were the main characters, the two like toy designers. Yeah, I remember David Cross being in it. Another movie where I remember it very differently. <laughs> I mean, all of the anti-military propaganda completely went over my head as a kid. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it was a weird film because I quite liked that opening ten minutes as an adult, and I do not remember it as a kid. Oh yeah, yeah no, same. no, I agree now. Yeah, like it, it, it serves a big purpose in the story now. But yeah, as a kid, I completely forgot that that it existed. <laughs> as yeah. a kid, you don't need a premise for the toys are alive and fighting each other. Like mm. we're already like, well, yeah, same as Toy Story. Yeah, yeah, the whole concept of uh, this guy accidentally put a military microchip in these toys. It, it, by the way, if you haven't seen the film, um, a guy puts a military microchip in in toys and they hum alive and start fighting yep because there's the army toys which are the badass soldiers that everyone wants and then there's the gorgonites who are the soft boys yeah weird monsters i like the eye one oh yeah Yeah. it's cool i always wanted a toy of archer when i was a kid like I, I remember always want you, wanting one of those. One of my favorite things about, especially the the like the opening ten minutes of the film, is when you have the guy when he's buying the you know they get given their like military military access by the big corpo that's bought out the toy company for some reason, and he orders it off of this like ancient operating system on a computer, but then the very next shot is this super high tech like ultra advanced 3d printing that like yeah. today we have 3d printing but they absolutely did not back when <laughs> this film was made so the like the tech in the film uh you know you know films when they try to sort of predict the future and they get bits of it right and bits of it really really wrong i think this was a really great example of that i still think there are definitely some military operations in the us that are using microsoft 1998 <laughs> I, I think my my favorite part about that computer that he uses to order the microchip, number one, it, it, there's no question on if he wants these, what he wants these military microchips for. And I quite like that that insecurity in the government. But I also like that it gave him three boxes to fill out and he put microchip, state of the art, and was it military? Yeah. <laughs> and oh, I thought it was military came up, but it was like... I know he was like, oh, I want it to be uh, like modern and new, state of the art, like any computer would understand at that time would understand what that means and then be like oh this microchip like when they put all of these things into the system someone wrote out state of the art that whole sequence was weird (laughs) it really was i I just i I was yeah no question no like no have these highly experimental military things at a toy company you're fine have them 
Exactly. Like basically just a very advanced AI, which was really cool. I like how they still had the different personalities for all the characters. I mean, the army men were all pretty one note, but you know, that explains a lot. But like all of the Gorgonites, I liked how they were all all, all nice and different. Like the, the basher guy with the big rock for a hand. <laughs> it's just very slow. I relate to him now. I ate an entire apple pie before recording. I feel exactly like that character. Nice. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Something I remember actually very vividly as a, as a kid was there being like actual toys of, uh, I can't remember his name, but the, the, the spinny guy, the spinny Gorgonite. Um... Uh, Insaniac. <laughs> Yeah, I I actually remember seeing a lot of like promotional material and toys and stuff of him as a kid, and I remember him being a a really like popular character at least in in my school. Yeah. But then watching the film, he was in it like a lot less than I expected. Like, and he was just all of his lines were just like throwaway jokes. I remember him being in it more. Yeah, that yeah, this is what I mean. Like I remember him being more prominent than on actual rewatch. He wasn't actually that big of a deal to the to the whole movie. So, I looked up about the whole was that cuz when I was watching it I was like is this just an advert for toys? <laughs> is this just an advert for toys of this film? And half of the film feels like it's an advert for the toys and half of the film doesn't. And I worked I looked it up and I found out why. Okay. Is it cuz they only made half of the characters into toys? No, it's because so it was directed by the same guy that directed Gremlins okay. and, and Gremlins too. So that's why like half of the film feels really chaotic mm. because that's what he he does chaos films. But apparently, as they were making it, it was originally meant to be for like a violent film for teenagers. Yeah, that, that explains the out. weird the scene with uh, that explains the scene with Kirsten Dunst being tied up and attacked by these film uh, by these toys. Yep, yeah, by the terrifying like mutant Barbie doll things. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Before we get, I want to talk about them because they're horrifying nightmare people. But the other the problem the reason why it's like half tame is because apparently the advertisers and the uh, promotional material in the show got involved and they were like we want it to be more kid friendly so it ended up with like this weird 50 and he, the director says it's like it ends up with this weird 50 50 of super child friendly but also weird teenage bits in it yeah because there was the bit where uh the kids the the main kid's parents were literally asking him if he was on crystal meth and i was like that ain't no kid movie that's like <laughs> but that's why that's why i think it's like you you have the scenes where it's clearly just an advert for toys because mm. the people who made the toys came in and said we want it to be kid friendly and whatever and then you can see bits of gremlins in it it's filmed after toy story isn't it and um yeah. toy story also has those dark bits i was just thinking about how not it's nowhere near as I think because it's a fully animated film, like it's not as scary. But those Barbies really reminded me of those mishmash toys. I think the toys, the creepy toys in Toy Story, are, are scary. The Barbie dolls in Small Soldiers—they're unhinged. Yeah, yeah, they are very insane. They're they're brought to life by a um, a cake pan that's got electricity running through it, so they can put all their heads in it. Um, Is that what that was? Yeah, it was like you know when you put all your little muffin cases in it when you're baking. It was one of them upside down. So, so when they they take apart one of the other soldiers' heads and then they they take the the thing the chip out and then they put it on a thing and that somehow replicates the chip that annoyed me they built a machine that replicates these military chips which is horrifying because that involves like these ai aren't just learning 
they're duplicating they're reproducing <laughs> something else i found really really strange about that whole sequence was when the military toys first got into the room and saw before they had uh like you know reanimated all of the the dolls and done the frankenstein scene so much um the weird implication of like sexual stuff from the military toys towards the inanimate dolls was yeah. just felt really out of place for the whole movie for me. No, there's the teenager though. There's like yeah, what the yeah. there's the gremlins. <laughs> there are two. There are two films in Small Soldiers. Yeah, there is Toy Story, <laughs> and then there is Gremlins, <laughs> and that's the Gremlins. Yeah, I was flicking through some of the some of that that scene with with the toys rest rest like the the commandos coming in and rescuing Kurtzman Dunst. I can't remember her name now. Oh yeah, no, the, yeah, I can't remember uh, her character's she, name. I mean, in my head, it was she, she was just Kirsten Dunst as Kirsten Dunst. Exactly, she gets kidnapped. <laughs> um, uh, I'm pretty sure like this film is why she got the role of MJ in the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, <laughs> but there's these these lines where he the command the main the main guy comes up to her and goes, "Are you scared?" And then he just goes, she doesn't say anything. She just goes, we're all scared. You'd have to be crazy not to be scared. <laughs> and I'm just like, I feel like I blinked and missed that line the first time I watched it. Or maybe I was just so horrified that by the whole scene that I just glanced over it. But like, that's not a message for children. No, it, it's a gremlin's message. <laughs> yeah. Well, that on that scene in particular, when she's being tied up, one, one of the notes I made was how... So the song that plays during that whole sequence is a Communication Breakdown by Led Zeppelin. You know, famous Led Zeppelin of we don't really like our songs being used in anything. Mm-hmm. Let's have it in this movie where some toy soul just tie up a woman. The music in this film was a amazing choice from start to end. Oh yeah, like they have a Spice Girls song in it at one point as well. Yes, they do. That <laughs> caught me by surprise, but they were huge at the time, weren't they? Yeah, yeah exactly. I think it was 99 this came out. 98. 98. I had it so, on yeah. VHS, yeah. <laughs> so like the second part of the film is definitely where the Gremlins happens. And yeah. I think kind of starts at that weird kidnapping barbie scene because mm-hmm. those barbies are not in anything but that scene yeah no they they, they <laughs> no. don't take part in the like huge military attack that takes part at the end because um, they kill them all exactly <laughs> they kill all of the barbies which that the, the second half of the film is so much better than the first number one because it's unhinged and i love it <laughs> uh, it's toy story unhinged and they enjoy killing those toys way too much. That though, that was fun to watch. Okay. Like uh, you know, in Gremlins, where they like put the one in the microwave and stuff. <laughs> yeah, specifically, I mean Kurtzman Dunst. Because okay, so to explain the end of the f- spoilers. Um, <laughs> spoilers for a film that is now twenty-four years old. They have to. They all have a fight in a house. The military people and the humans have a fight in one of their houses, and it's like a weird military siege of bit which the military sorry i've kind of just taken over because this film i watched it like <laughs> an hour ago and it's it's dug <laughs> into my brain to back up a bit the military toys they build weapons yeah they are very good builders somehow mm. yeah they've got learn they've got learning capabilities haven't they which yeah at the time i guess 1998 it was like a quite a far-flung idea but now it's like we're getting closer and um, I don't, I don't like that. But they build like missile launchers. Yeah, and, and like Mad Max style vehicles, and <laughs> just like vehicles. smash stuff together. <laughs> yeah, and one of them has a because 
no people actually die in this film. Shock it, like legitimately shockingly, because the weapons that they build are trying to kill them. I mean, can, mm. would you say the Barbies are people at this point? No, <laughs> they're Barbies with. Yeah, they're, they're all plastic AI. It's fine, and, and the army men as well. The weapons that they make. The point I'm trying to. The weapons that they make are super deadly. Mm-hmm. And not like a lot, like oh, it's toy deadly. Blah, blah. No, they're shooting like one of them has a chainsaw. I was a <laughs> yeah, they've got like nail guns and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they can do damage. One of them shoots very specifically shoots corn holders, like the spiky corn holders, into a kid's leg. Yeah, and these those toys are out for blood. <laughs> they were all like, oh my god, these toys are really scary. I'd be terrified. Only are these toys violent in themselves. They are actually trying to kill these people. Yeah. I mean, it does have that kind of horror vibe of obviously not quite to the same extreme, but, you know, like Chucky of the whole toy trying to kill you type thing. It's like the the overtone of the film and the undertone are the complete opposite. It, yeah, I'm. It, I'm just watching Kristen, uh, Kirsten Dunst run over them all with a lawnmower. And I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's having so much fun and like laughing. Which, to be fair, they're toys and you shouldn't feel emotionally attached. But the toys are screaming. Yeah, like even the the very first sort of soldier death, which is the one that's trying to climb on the bicycle and he gets his legs like mangled. I think he gets his legs mangled in the the garbage disposal thing. And then he's just like, yeah, like screaming in pain and stuff. Like, I'm I'm glad that didn't happen to any of the Gorgonites. I would have been very mad if it did. Mm. (laughs) They are lovable. I want them. (laughs) I'm kind of disappointed. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm kind of disappointed it wasn't allowed to be full Gremlins. Yeah. I think it would have been better if it would have been allowed to be a a fifth. Well, I guess a P12. P13, is it? P12? Yeah. No, just straight up eighteen. Like... Or just, <laughs> just more, just more chaotic. Like there are so the best bits of it are the violently chaotic bits. Yeah. Yeah. And like the... I say, the the bits I remember most is like the Gorgonites and the actual. But like, to be honest, one of the amount I remember from watching it in the first place is like in my mind, it was David Cross's character that just made them in the first place, and he was like an evil neighbor that lived over the road. Mm. <laughs> like yeah that's, that's that's what your kid brain could like, exactly uh, for yeah, some process. reason i remember him being the one being tied up at one point as well but that just never happens no. <laughs> I, I remember a lot more tying up i don't i remember the boyfriend being tied up but that didn't happen maybe it just, just feels like that kirsten dunce scene goes on forever because it's so horrifying yeah <laughs> The it's boyfriend horrifying. just kind of disappears at one point <laughs> as well. He he falls down the stairs and he's gone. Like that plot line I felt was weird as well because they obviously wanted to make him out to be like, oh, the dick boyfriend. But he wasn't really even that much of a dick. He just kind of rode a mi- motorcycle and was, I don't know. It, they very obviously wanted to set up that um that romance hook of like oh the kind of dorky kid gets the gets the girl in the end like gets him off of the gets her off of the the dickhead guy but he wasn't that bad and under you know not being funny but if i went into into someone's room and they were getting attacked by effectively a swarm of at like weird animatronic dolls uh, and that then set me on fire. I would probably leg it too. Yeah, there's got to be a bit of self-preservation, hasn't there? Yeah. Do you reckon who? Okay, who do you reckon put that boyfriend in the film? Because I don't think it was the director and his the weird gremlins method. <laughs> I don't think it was him. But I also don't think it was the kid-friendly 
producer types. <laughs> it is a bit weird, isn't it? Because, I mean, how old are these kids supposed to be? I find yeah. it very difficult yeah. to age either of them because American actors always look older than the characters they're playing, but also they look quite young. But also he's riding a motorcycle. I think he, I think him and Kirsten Dunst are meant to be 16, 17. Oh, okay. And I think the other boy is meant to be like 15. That sounds um, about he right. Looks, yeah, he looks sort of, I'm not going to lie, he, like kind of prepubescent. Yeah, mm. he looks like 13 or like 11 to 13. And um, I just found the spoilers, the kiss, mm. super weird to look at. I'm yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, no, I was... don't want to see kids kissing. That whole plot hook was un- uncomfortable to watch as an adult. For a kid's yeah. film, it was a big kiss. But for a Gremlins film. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Release the Gremlins cut. <laughs> I'm saying it because Gremlins had the female Gremlin. I bet. Yeah. The, that was just the Barbie dolls. Oh god, if they let him go all out on the Barbie dolls. I like. I also like in the chaos bit, the last bit. Uh, I really like the the mum. His mum, who has oh nothing yes. to do in the entire film, suddenly yeah. becomes like I will save the day. She was ready for war she... when she brought out the tennis racket and just started like volleying their missiles back at them. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as they broke her window, she was like, "How dare they!" She was ready for. She was ready to die on that hill and fight them. I love that because she's so passive throughout the film. His whole family were, were mental um, because they just didn't make sense. Yeah, so... I, the, the casting of them all was pretty good as well. Like you know, all the actors in it were all pretty good. Yeah, that that was also a thing from films of this time the casting's always amazing hmm. on a slightly more sad note kirsten dunst's dad in this film phil hartman was murdered like not long before the release of the movie i feel like some of it may have oh. been edited around because of that that's why at the um at the very end it's got a short clip of him and it says for phil like yeah oh, it was right. sort of sort of dedicated to him i guess i mean he was pretty good in it the i guess overly controlling parents kind of thing yeah he cared more about his stuff than he did his kids yeah <laughs> yeah and then and then right. you know just gets drugged by some uh, some plastic toys almost, almost forcibly od yeah because they mm. throw like six sleeping pills in their drinks yeah the, the relationship aspect of the film with the the parents and alan he doesn't look like an alan so i, no. I found that difficult <laughs> um, but the young child called alan mm. and his dad like that relationship was just it's like it, it's very frustrating i think it's one of the things where I, when i was a kid and I think this is going to be a running theme for a lot of films we watch where there is that parental conflict. I, when I was a kid, I probably would have been like, oh, yeah, that dad's being so unfair. And then as an adult now, I'm looking like he went behind his dad's back and bought loads of toys he knew his dad wouldn't approve of and fucked it up. And now he's mad at his dad for being like, well, this hasn't gone very well, has it? You know, it's like, oh, you can't let me, you know, and it's like, well, why should I trust you? It's like, why, why should he trust his uh, assumedly quite young Matt, like a uh, child to yeah. run a shop. I just want to bring up, I will defend the boy named Alan. He doesn't fuck it up because he gets toys which would sell well. And it, it's not his fault that they've got military <laughs> microchips, <laughs> experimental military microchips in them. There's also, to be fair, the argument of if the dad doesn't trust the kid to look after the store, why did he let him look after the store I... and not just close up for the day? I think that was he had no other choice. It felt kind of forced in the beginning, and then it felt even more forced at the end when he says, when he's got like the the we need to climb up on top and make an EMP, 
and the dad goes, I can't let you do that. You're mine. I need to protect you. And the kid's like, no, you have to trust me. Trust what? me. Let me make an electrical explosion. Like, I mean, either way, there was a chance of them dying. What if their neighbor had a pacemaker? <laughs> <laughs> All the neighbors oh. Well, there was that old couple. It cut oh. to an old couple being like, both yeah. dead. They could have just, no, nah, it was all right. They'll, they'll just hide under a satellite dish that fell down. They'll be all right. <laughs> They've got their big satellite dish that they just put over yeah. their bed every night. Exactly. They'll be fine. What I was getting at was, why can't the dad climb the thing? Yeah, I was he, thinking that. Send the kid to do something an adult could do. Well, no, the kid was like, don't worry, dad. Trust me. I, the dad should have just, no, I'm, you're a child. <laughs> yeah. I'll climb it. Maybe it's because, like, it, where his dad had made him feel guilty for it in the first place, he felt like it was his job to fix it. Maybe he was just a bad dad. He was a bad dad. <laughs> Very bad dad. He left his kid in danger. He struggled to fight some toys. They have such a hard time fighting the toys. <laughs> I mean, they do have missile launchers, to be fair. Even at close range, they shoot a net at him, and he's like, oh, no, I'm... Uh... <laughs> I will not be defeated yeah. by this tiny net. We have a tiny net scene where he just gets hit by a net and he's out. He didn't just know wait that he just there to be rescued. Yeah, he yeah. didn't know he has to reverse the capturing sequence. It's fine. He's a useless dad. Can we just discuss some of the names in these films? I mean, I... we've touched on Alan a fair bit. There's also Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, character played by Kirsten Dunst. Yep. Uh, I can't remember anyone's names, if I'm honest. Well, I do like. The tongue-in-cheek, not subtle at all, main uh, commando, Chip Hazard. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bit on the nose, but I did enjoy it. Not Barbie dolls, not Wendy dolls, not Shirley dolls. Gwendy. Gwendy dolls. <laughs> Gwendy <laughs> dolls. They couldn't get the copyright from Barbie, no. could they? Well, Barbie <laughs> probably saw what they were planning on doing and were like, no, no, you can't. This thing's a bit kitty. What do you think this will do for us? Sure, you might sell some Gorgonites. Do you think we're going to sell some Barbies from this? Also, why would Mattel say, yeah, no, we'll help promote a different toy? Exactly. <laughs> but at that point, the because 98 was the same year Toy Story 2 came out, I think, and the Barbies were in that one. Oh, yeah, maybe they, maybe they couldn't because they'd promised Pixar full Barbie. Mattel really missed the trick of we could, on the side, in combination with Small Soldiers, release the Nightmare theme. <laughs> <laughs> Let's release the horror movie Barbie collection. <laughs> just a Barbie in, like, a Freddy Krueger-like <laughs> outfit. A, and... a can can I just point out that uh, one of the Gwendy do- one of the actresses that did the voices for the Gwendy dolls was, uh, was Sarah Michelle Gellar. <laughs> before Friends or during um... Friends? I don't know. Am I remembering? I'm, Sarah I th- Michelle Gellar isn't the no, person she's, from Friends. She's not no, from Friends, no. She's the Buffy she's the Vampire Slayer. I was sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. I was, wondering, I was wondering where you were going with that. I'm like, Who's the other one? Do you mean Monica from Friends? Oh, or Rachel? Be, uh, I can't uh, remember. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston? Maybe. <laughs> Lisa Kudrow, the other one? Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, that would have been a hell of a crossover episode, though. <laughs> Just Ross Geller fighting off vampires or like skeleton dinosaurs. Yeah. I do quite like the idea of like Buffy, uh, like a, an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I can sort of picture it where, you know, some toys come to life and she has to fight them off. With the cast of friends. <laughs> <laughs> 
Blue. I don't remember the name of anyone else in, in Small Soldiers, not even the humans. So, <laughs> as you guys can't remember, I'm going to remind you. Uh, love interest, Kirsten Dunst's name is Christy Fimple. It's what? <laughs> Christy Fimple. F-I-M-P-L-E. Cool. So, which uh, bit of the chocolate factory does she die in? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god she's the one that gets turned into, into a bubble gum. <laughs> she's the bubble gum one yeah so who are the other ones oh, uh, sorry uh, christy's parents are phil fimple and marion fimple did they mention this at any point in the film <laughs> i don't think so i don't think they ever i, think, these I think they did because when the dad was blast like when all the neighbors assumed that it was the dad blasting out the spice gods music they were all like yelling his name i think Oh, no, yeah, because he went outside, didn't he? I didn't take a lot of this film in. I'm really like that. That's quite a kid thing, though, isn't it? Like, the parents don't really get names. Yeah. Oh, and, and she had the younger brother, who was Timmy Fimple, who uh, gets kidnapped first and tied up and put in a cupboard. And yeah. then there's that whole scene where she gets home and just doesn't seem to notice. Yeah. He's just sitting <laughs> yeah, in the cupboard and she puts her coat on him. <laughs> Much again in these films, the little brother's a little shit. He is greedy. He does want that toy straight away. He's got to have Chip Hazard, voiced by Tommy Lee Jones. Weird cast. Mm. It, it, it really, is a weird cast. Really good weird cast, and I, I love that about these films. One of the characters played by Alexandra Wilson is called Miss Kegel. Oh, I think she was the um, like the secretary to the rich military guy. Well, I mean, one of the main things I noticed is, uh, so the ending of this movie, where after all the chaos, and I mean, luckily the Gorgonites have survived, but the rich military guy comes in and just pays everyone off to yes, be quiet I, about I it. I enjoy that, that scene where money can buy silence and probably mm. does more often than people realise. Yeah, yeah, I love that scene. That was great. That was a great way to end it. <laughs> that wasn't the ending, though, because the ending was fascinating and raises more questions than it answers. Oh, yeah, with the Gorgonites uh, sailing off down a river into the sunset. Yeah. Are they, are they off to Yosemite? Yeah, they're in, in Yosemite National Park. If they made a sequel right now, set all this time later, and someone finds those toys like buried in, in a park, that would be amazing. I would watch it. I'd be there day one. <laughs> like... But with like, gremlin <laughs> energy. With full gremlin energy. The main thing as well is obviously there's only the, what, five or six Gorgonites. What if they'd have just got more? Like, obviously the Chip Hazard goes to the toy shop at one point to get a fuckload more of the soldiers. I, I'm I... guessing he maybe burnt all the Gorgonites that were ready to go on the shelf. <laughs> so I wondered about that scene, right? And I, I felt like, in a way, it was making it more solid, like Chip Hazard's kind of, I guess, his his ego as being the leader. But I was like, he's gone and got all of these other soldiers. There were definitely more Chip Hazards that were made. I, and and then... he just chose not to bring any of those yeah. to the table. Yeah, because there'd, be like, there'd be other leaders. There'd be other leaders. Yeah. But he didn't go to a store. It was in the back of a truck. Yes. That I don't... Were they selling Gorgonites? Did they discontinue the Gorgonites? Well, I think this all happens just before they're supposed to go on official sale. Yeah, yeah. because but it's the... No Gorgonites. There's the Gorgonites that he gets in the shop. I think it's playing into the fact that the soldiers would sell better because, yeah. um, like, yeah. he gets the few from the back of the truck, but there, there is the scene where, like, he sees, like, the giant inflatable chip hazard yeah. over a store 
that's that's selling I mean. loads more of them, and that's where he gets all the ones that attack in the end from. Did they just discontinue the Gorgonites? Well, I thought the Gorgonites were meant to be sold as well as the enemy of kind of thing. Like maybe they were no. just in like the next aisle, and he yeah. It. There was no advertising for it. Like. No, no I think... well, I think the whole point is that the as the commando elite are always fighting the Gorgonites. Yeah, yeah. So in order to play out this fight scene. For your kids, you have to buy them not one but at least two toys, so one of yeah. each minimum. As a concept, the whole these are the evil military, the military are the good guys, and the Gorgonites are the bad guys. Gorgonites at no point are bad guys. No, <laughs> like they are super peaceful, uh, they don't hurt, they don't do anything. How are they selling that as they're the bad guys? I think that was because they weren't created as bad guys. So the guy that actually originally made those toys and, you know, I know they say programmed them, even though we didn't really see that outside of, oh, we put chips in them. They they were never actually created initially to be the bad guys. And the scientist guy tried to, like the toy creator guy, tried to explain that to big military corpo man. And he just didn't listen. He was just like, no, nah, just, just tell them that they're the enemies. So that's why they, they weren't actually bad. They were never programmed to be bad. What I mean is, in how do they market that? How do they market this super peaceful race of non-hurty people as the villains? <laughs> and... uh, well, I think the, the issue is there's... The, these these toys are commissioned by the like the this Globotech CEO, um, and they give them a it's it's right at the start in the boring bit that we all skipped as children, but <laughs> they are given a tight three month deadline, so that's why everything's rushed and that's why they don't do any safety testing or notice that you know no no one stops to think maybe we shouldn't be using the um, microprocessor from the military guidance missiles I guess in kids toys. Apart from the guy that put them in there, it doesn't seem like anyone else actually noticed. No, no yeah. one checked. No one checked. <laughs> Which is amazing. They just showed up in unmarked packaging, popped them in, and were like, that'll do. Yeah. Which isn't inherently a problem. Like, that chip is fine. As weird as it is to say after watching them try to kill people and then make a chainsaw car, but the chip isn't the problem. Well, yeah, I sound was, like uh... the scientist. In the episode, it was yeah. like, the chip isn't the problem. <laughs> but he's right. The chip isn't the problem. The problem is is that they programmed it to kill for some reason. They programmed toys to fight each other, and they did exactly that. Yeah. Whereas, like, if they just chip... No, they didn't not just fight, to kill. <laughs> to kill the Gorgonites. They were pro when they were programming what the military people should do, the programming said, kill the Gorgonites at any means necessary. And kill... anyone deemed to be <laughs> allied with as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. Kill, <laughs> the, kill the ones necessary. that look different and weird to the army of military people. Yeah, it there makes... was there was <laughs> no counter-programming with maybe these <laughs> toys shouldn't try to kill the kids that play with them also. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, fair enough from like, a, I can see from an evil business standpoint, yeah, they'll destroy the Gorgonites and the parents have to buy more, which is such a clever built in mm. in <laughs> oh we'll just program the military ones to destroy the other one and then the parents have to keep buying more <laughs> and i feel like if it was made for teenagers they would have bought that up at no point where they're like maybe we shouldn't have no one in the programming no computer guy no 
technician, not even an assistant, said, hey, maybe the military ones shouldn't, we shouldn't be programming to kill at any means necessary. <laughs> maybe that's a bad thing to program. Because we know that these microchips are military standard and were used in nuclear warheads. Yeah. But then wasn't that also, that was also addressed in like the first 10 minutes of the film when they walked into that meeting, they were sort of like, oh, where's everybody else? And it was basically like, no, we've, we fired everybody else. We are the, you know, the military court with the money you're going to do as we say, or it's, you know, not going to happen for you kind of thing. It's fair that they'd need people to build the machines, to build (laughs) the things and at no point and program it. At no point did someone go, maybe murder by any means necessary isn't the route to go with these (laughs) toys. That we're assuming will come because one of the the things that they were told was it has to come to the machines the toys have to come to life they have oh yeah to because be of there. the yeah because of the the advert where they do come to life yeah yeah so they knew that was going to happen they knew what they were going they knew what they were aiming for and they still said any means necessary it just seems like a terrible marketing campaign yeah I mean they were just so. The the military must be would just in this film come across as so desperate for like I guess like some positive military toys to you know indoctrinate the next round of eighteen year olds to come and you know, join the forces. Yeah, it never really talks about that though. It's just then military toys. It goes so wrong. Yeah, yeah. It, it's no. sort of like watching that as an adult. You know that that's implied, but yeah, it's not actually yeah. addressed. It's just gun toys sell well. And the violent toy, because he said violent, the, I think the biggest comment they make isn't on anti-military, it's on marketing violence to kids, because he says, mm-hmm. it's violent, kids love violence, but call it action hmm. instead. And like that's the biggest comment that I think they make in terms of like social commentary, is that line is, is it. But then you have at the end, when the main guy, who is a terrible person, when he comes down in the helicopter, he says, get those toys. Uh, I know some rebels in X country who will really love them. Yeah. Which means his plan is to take these toys and make a military unit out of them, make like an official part of the military. How do you... What? (laughs) (laughs) What? Don't fight the American military. They have evil toys. Well, I think the idea is if they can, if you can put it in a toy, why not put it in a big robot and then you have you know i robot but deliberate and bad that he says i want to send these toys he says see if you can replicate this and get in touch with the military and i just like the idea that because the toys would be self-aware and believe that they're in the military yeah you'd have a unit of military toy as like an official regiment i mean it, it would be pretty funny if it just like the, you, you're in this complete other country at war and they release the toys and they immediately turn around and try to go back to um a park where the gorgonites have gone to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like no yeah. these are our enemies yeah, you, you forgot you forgot to delete that little sentence in programming <laughs> by any means necessary <laughs> They just start oh God, swimming. They, they hijack a plane. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> We've got Crash into Yosemite, cause an explode, cause a volcano to explode. Yeah, <laughs> the toys in the world. <laughs> oh well, that reminds me of the uh, alleged cancelled remake because it was the script was bought back in 20, uh, 2014. Oh. Um, apparently, it was one of the it's one of the films that got killed when Disney bought Fox. Yeah, but it was going to be renamed Toy Mageddon. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> I'm here for that. 
Small Soldiers. Oh, apparently it was never, it was revealed the film was never intended as a remake of Small Soldiers, but it was kind of the same, but it was similar. I think we've just worked out the perfect sequel. I'm just going to propose it to you guys, and I don't care what you say, I'm doing it. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. Let's a, yeah, let's have a pitch for I'm this Small it. Soldiers sequel. That's what this whole podcast being started was for, was to try so, and get a sequel to Small Soldiers. Yeah. They have to pay us now. So... Opening on a military base, some secret military base somewhere. They're building these the toy the military toys. And one of them, they accidentally use the same chip from Chip Hazard and put it into a new Chip Hazard body. And he has all the memories. He has all of the memories of old Chip Hazard. And when he's woken up, when they're in their boxes, he breaks free. And he goes and finds his unit again of new people. And he tells them we have a new we have an original enemy. A great enemy called the Gorgonites. <laughs> and they're like, oh, but we have this actual military stuff too. He's like, no, what we're going to do, we're going to hijack a helicopter and we're going to fly to Yosemite Park. <laughs> and then it cuts to Yosemite Park where the Gorgonites are just having a good time. And they built their homes in the trees and they're being happy. And then the helicopter approaches. <laughs> And it's the military toys. Can it have and... the same sort of style uh, soundtrack? So we it's... maybe have like Carly Rae Jepsen playing while the helicopter yeah. approaches. It's <laughs> it's full Gremlins. <laughs> oh no, I want there to be weird patches of child movie, kids movie mixed in with. Okay, yeah, it's so advertising friendly. <laughs> can the um, can the kid come back? Can Alan now be a ranger, a park ranger at Yosemite? If we can get Alan, if not, I like the idea of just a park ranger being aware of these kids, of these toys being alive, and they've told him not to tell anyone in case What's they. Greg Smith up to these days. No, we'll just call him Alan. Let's like <laughs> you know, we're not going to be able to no. tell who. Uh, uh, I, I think the guy's still acting. I don't know. He's yeah. doing t- TV. Oh, oh, and directing. Oh, oh nice. Oh, he, he can direct it. it. Yeah. Get him in. He'll be fine. <laughs> so Alan is back as a park ranger, and he's the only one that knows these. And then the the military toys turn up, and it's just a fight in a forest. <laughs> and Kirsten Dunst is still there. <laughs> <laughs> she might be harder to get, but yeah, that's that's my my starting pitch. Hmm. I want toy soldiers, small soldiers to Armageddon. Toy Mageddon. Toy Mageddon. Toy Mageddon at Yosemite Park. I've got some fun facts about the film. Okay. Um, so fun, apparently, they're fun. well, they're kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so Burger King, in their kids' meals, they they had a licensing deal to supply small soldiers' toys, but they'd already agreed to this licensing before the film was slapped with the PG thirteen rating. So then they were like, they had to very quickly rush had to effectively bribe parents by being like look you can swap it in and have a mr potato head instead (laughs) (laughs) um so they all had to be packaged with the message like while the toys themselves are suitable for the children of all ages the movie (laughs) may contain material inappropriate for your children I wish they sold the military toys with like staplers strapped to their arms and like Like, when they became violent. I want those toys. (laughs) They have like um, connect sets of like 
hell cars with chainsaws built yeah. onto them. <laughs> yeah, and um, the the other thing that I've just discovered is that the Gorgonites were actually all voiced by the voice actors from uh, Spinal Tap, and similarly, all of the characters other than uh, Chip Hazard, the military figures were a small reunion for the cast of The Dirty Dozen. That was that was quite cool. And also, yeah, the Gwendy dolls were all voiced by big stars, as we uncovered a moment yeah. ago. All of them from Friends. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> all from Friends. I like I, the I distinctly doll. remember the... Uh, the... <laughs> the, <laughs> the Joey Tribbiani voiced... Uh... <laughs> uh... Wendy doll. Oh, I quite liked the uh, the Chandler one. That was that was pretty good. And there was the one where <laughs> the Joey one pretended to be the Chandler one. He's like, yeah. mm. could I be wearing any more nails? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh dear. There's so much like stuff surrounding this film. So the lore of of this film is is incredible, and I recommend everyone read up on it <laughs> because it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. <laughs> So one of the members of the Commando Elite, Kip Killigan, uh, by unlucky coincidence, apparently as the toys, also this was a, related to the Burger King thing, um, there was a school shootout by, in America by someone called Kip Kinkle, which obviously oh. very similar. And so they, they very much did not <laughs> supply any Kip Killigan toys uh, in Oregon, which is oh. where where this was. I oh wow, why. just in the state. Not they didn't think, oh, we, we should pull pull this like totally. I get, mm. I get why there wasn't a sequel because it, it sounds cursed. Yeah, no, it seems hmm. like it just wasn't Oregon. This film sounds cursed, but how much of it did we think? How, how much of it was still good? Because I say the second Gremlins half was still good. Yeah, oh, I actually I enjoyed the movie. It was kind of a thrill ride. Like, don't get me wrong, it had its weak spots, but it was as a me sitting down as an adult to absorb this movie. I had a good time. It was like a good time. Yeah, I just, I just wish it was more Gremlins than kids. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. Apparently, there was a lot of uh, explosions and action sequences that were cut from the movie um, yeah. that had already been like shot. Yeah, and the puppets—they had way more. They they commissioned loads of puppets and and decided to use CGI instead, which yeah. I think has not held up. If I'm I honest, but I I didn't see it when it first came out. But I uh, I think they said CGI that was... will never age well. I think they said that because it was cheaper to just use CGI. Yeah, yeah. they probably used the puppets, like, I mean, they probably had lots of them and probably blew them all up. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. yeah, they were, the CGI was very PlayStation 2 graphics, like... Yeah, it, it kind of yeah. worked because they were toys, though. They were supposed to have, like, the the limited movement and be a bit janky. Yeah. Like, it, it, it kind of worked for the movie. It like. still was portrayed better in the scenes where they had the actual puppets, though. Like, the difference, especially when it cut from one to the other. Like, in the beginning of the movie, like, the first one that you see as an actual puppet was Archer. And then it immediately cut to the shot of the commandos, like, breaking out of the box. And it was just like, hang on a minute, how come Archer looks so good? And then suddenly these uh, these commandos look horrendous. Yeah, it, it was weird. But, but puppetry is expensive. And mm. I get that I could probably guess this film kept getting its budget 
all over the place. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so what, what did everyone else think about it? It held much of it held up. I, I did quite enjoy it to be honest. Like like I say, mm-hmm. I had this was one of the films that I vividly remember having on VHS as a kid and I watched it a lot. And yeah, rewatching it this uh, I must have not seen it in at least fifteen years or so. Yeah. And yeah, rewatching it now I did I did still quite enjoy it. Like it was it was just quite a fun time. It wasn't a bad movie. I think it's one of those films that actually watch watching it as an adult and as a kid and having those two different experiences actually does give it a second wind and mm-hmm. you get you know the like the stuff that goes totally over your head as a kid like all of the military stuff and the the corporation sort of stuff I I, I did actually really appreciate that going into it this time around because it allowed me to actually invest myself in the storyline my suspension of disbelief is a little bit harder to please now but it still yeah. managed to cater to that so I think that's actually held up really well. So how many Nightmare Gwendolyn dolls out there? Because I'm going to say a solid seven, uh, specifically the one with, that doesn't have a face and is just eyes. Oh, God. oh yeah, oh, yeah no, I hated that one. <laughs> so how, how many? I'm going to say seven out of ten Nightmare Gwendolyn dolls. I'm going to say nostalgia probably helps this film a lot. And as someone who hasn't seen it, uh, as a kid, it, it only gets the it gets five five Gwendolyn dolls because half the film was good. I think I'm gonna match you, Mikey, and say seven. I had a really good time watching it. There was a few bits of the film that I was a bit like, okay, that's you know that's a little bit dated, but in the same way that a lot of films have to, you know, they end up almost showing themselves as like time pieces, I guess. And it just yeah, I had a good time watching it. Most of it held up well. Um, the only bits I wasn't super keen on was what we touched on earlier with the weird, you couldn't quite tell what the ages were around the kids having the romance and stuff. That was mm. a bit iffy. But then that's also something I probably wouldn't have given a shit about when I was a kid. So, yeah, 7 out of 10 from me. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to agree about uh, 7 horrific Gwendy dolls out of 10. <laughs> um, it'd probably bump up to an 8 or 9 if we get this sequel that Michael pitched. Though. Like, <laughs> that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. On average, 6.5 Gwendolyn dolls out of 10. Yeah, which is probably about, <laughs> you know, there was probably definitely a half Gwendy doll at some point. <laughs> like, yeah, the one with just eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, I've been Dan. I've been Michael. I've been Helena. And I've been Elliot. And you can find us on Twitter at Hilton Pod. That is at H-I-L-T-M Pod. And we are now, I mean, you're probably listening to it anyway. We're now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I am emissary of the Gorgonites. <laughs> <laughs>